Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. We're so glad to be able to bring a small portion of our community to you through this medium and hope that you'll join us in our endeavor to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. If you would like to know more about who we are as a community, as well as when and where we meet, you can visit us online at thegenesisstory.com. Also, if you have benefited from this podcast in any way or would like to participate in what we're doing here at Genesis, would you consider partnering with us by donating online again at www.thegenesisstory.com. There you can select the giving tab and how you would like to contribute to the general fund or even to the building fund. Remember, we can do more together than we can ever do alone. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. God bless. Is given this attribution of being in the beginning and the things that God did in the beginning, the creative work that God did, he is now doing through Jesus. And as Jesus is the light of the world, it enables us to not only see things more clearly, but to see things how God, who is life, sees them. And this did not just happen for the time that Jesus was on earth, but it has happened for all time. Interesting how these lines play out in verse one and two, it says, in the beginning, and the idea is the eternal nature, in the beginning was the word, and he was in the beginning with God. So all the way back, this eternal presentation of who he is, is there. And in between those two beginnings, is the word was with God and the word was God. They are two, but they are the same. And and immediately we are faced with this conflict and paradox. How can it be with God and how can it be God? Verse 14, of course, tells us that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory as the glory of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. And now John actually pulls imagery from Exodus when it says, dwelt among us, it means tabernacle, where they would build their tabernacle where God was meant to dwell with the people. Well, it's no longer a tent. It's now a person where the dwelling of God is showing up. And we call this the incarnation, right? And incarnation is any enfleshment of spirit. That's what we mean when we say the incarnation. It is an enfleshment of what God is and he is doing. All these things are, are giving us information about Jesus and about who he is. But within them is already this mystery of how does this work? How do we understand this? How, how do we now deal with this information we've been giving? If this is an incarnation, if there is an enfleshment of spirit, what does that mean to us? What, what are we supposed to do? How and why is God doing this? In 1 John chapter 1, John again writes, In verse one, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. Again, we see the eternal nature from the beginning. 
And now this enfleshment is something that we can take hold of, something that we can see, something that we can handle, something that we interact with. Not just a concept that we think about, but something that engages us. The followers of Christ believe that this eternal presence from the beginning was what God was doing and what God has always meant to be doing. Paul would write in Galatians 4, verse 4, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, born of a woman under the law. The eternal now has a birthday. That which was from the beginning also has a time when he was born to a woman under the law. Born under the law. This idea now of birth crashes into this idea of in the beginning. How do you have something from the beginning and something being born? What does that look like? Was Jesus just the spirit hovering around and all of a sudden, whom he comes into the body, right? I mean, these are the things that we think about and try to figure out. How do we understand these things? And once again, we have to be careful that we don't box God in to a place where we can understand because whatever we think it's going to be more than, but what we are given in scripture are these pieces that we get to embrace by experience, embrace by the the analogies and, and imagery that we can understand these things that help us to lean into them. In a moment of chronological time, we believe that God's presence was poured into a single human being so that humanity and divinity can be seen to be operating as one in him. But because it was taking place in him, it can also take place within us. And this is the mystery, and this is the reason why God is doing what he is doing through Christ. But because it was taking place in him, it can take place in us. So maybe instead of saying that God came into the world through Jesus, we could say, as Richard Rohr says, it would be more accurate to say that Jesus came out of an already Christ-soaked world. And before you start thinking, okay, this is a little strange, when I know the world around me is both the hiding place and the revelation of God, God is soaked in it, right? We are experiencing all the things that God has created. I no longer make this distinction between natural and supernatural, between holy and profane, because God is at work through all these things all the time. Universe, one verse, it's singularity, that it's God's verse, right? It's God at work in all these things. And Paul pushes into this, so you don't think I'm just coming out of left field here. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 11, he says, Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. So Christ is all and in all. How does that take place? 
If Jesus is born, has a body, is a person, how is Christ in all? And we start seeing that this idea of Christ is maybe more than just Jesus' last name, right? It's more than just a title of Messiah. It's more than just anointed one. That it is actually the work of the Spirit of God, the enfleshment of spirit in the work of God, and we start to see it uncovered. The mystery starts to be seen more and more through the person of Jesus, Right? You might hear it said that Jesus is God, but those words aren't actually theologically correct. It is more accurate to say that Christ is God and Jesus is the Christ historical manifestation in time. Jesus is a third someone, not God and not just man, but God and human together. Now, if that's like saying, wait a second, Sam, you're kind of freaking me out here, join the club, right? Because how do we picture something that's this big. We have the person Jesus born in time. We have Christ from the beginning, and we have Jesus the Christ who is both God and man and now represents these things in a way that we can grasp, that we can handle, that we can touch, that we can interact with, that we can begin to understand and have a glimpse of. And this isn't a new thought. Scripture affirms this over and over again. We just don't process it because it makes us a little bit uncomfortable to live in mystery. It it makes it hard for us to, to sit in a place where we don't have it all figured out. And so we always want to try and put all the pieces together so that we have a complete understanding. But as I said last week, when we start talking about God, we are like the ship that's sunk in the ocean. And although the ship contains the ocean, the ocean contains the ship in a very different way. There is so much more than what we will ever be able to understand. And so Paul would write to Colossians in chapter 1, verse 15, He, Jesus, the Christ, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. If Jesus was born at a certain time, how can he be before all things? He's the firstborn from the dead, but Lazarus rose from the dead first. And so it's talking about preeminence. It's talking about something more. It's talking about more than a physical person. It's talking about what Christ is. And this is the mystery that we are trying to understand. And we're getting to the mystery because I think the mystery helps uncover the purpose. We start to see the mystery of who Jesus Christ is, and that helps to understand what the intention of God is for each of us. And I hope to lean into that a little bit more. 
Because for us, these ideas might seem strange, but it wasn't at the time. This was something that they lived into. Remember in Acts chapter 2, Peter's very first proclamation as he's speaking to the people, telling them about who this Jesus was. In chapter 2, verse 36, he says, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. God has what? Has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Man, that does a trip on my head. God made him Christ. Wasn't he always Christ? How does that work together? When did the Lord make him Lord in Christ? Was it at his birth? Was it when the Spirit came upon him? These are questions that push us into understanding more about the person. And if you're looking for an answer, I don't have one for you. I'm, I'm pointing out that these are things that they looked at and embraced that God made him Lord and Christ. Is it by his nature? Because of who he already was and is? And this is just a peek behind the curtain, and it's not the whole point of what I wanted to make, but it's pointing to what I want to get at. If you want more information on this, you can read The Universal Christ by Richard Rohr, and don't let the title judge the book. It's a lot more than maybe you think. It's a lot more than I can definitely talk about here. But it's pointing us to something. What God has done in Jesus, who he made both Lord and Christ, God is also wanting to do in us. Christ is all and in all. What does that mean? What does that look like? What is the purpose of God the Son? It is to put us into his image, to help us to look like him, to allow the spirit of Christ to now dwell within us fully or richly so that the work Christ did. Jesus would say, the things I did, you will do and greater. How do we do greater work? And again, usually I go to miracles. I haven't raised anyone for dead. I haven't fed 5,000 people. What is the work I'm supposed to do? What is the work that he did completely? And how do we do that work if it's not by Christ? The work of God that is seen exemplified in Jesus. The book of Hebrews, the writer tells us that he is the exact representation of who God is, stamped in human flesh. He's giving us a picture that we can handle, touch, see, the word of life, John would say, that we can live into, that we can actually follow, that can shape us, In Colossians chapter 1, verse 24, Paul writes, I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. And in my flesh, 
I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's affliction for the sake of his body, that is the church. I want to read that again because if I were to just say this by itself or say the, of myself, if I were to put these words, hey, listen, everybody, I, I'm, I'm glad that I'm going through sufferings. And but the sufferings, he was talking about the persecution on behalf of these people that he was experiencing because he was following and exemplifying who Jesus was. He was being persecuted. So if I'm going through persecution like that and I say, I rejoice in those things for your sake. And in my flesh, this In my flesh, I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's affliction. Did you ever think something was lacking in Christ's affliction? No, he died once for all. It's done, it is finished, right? There's nothing lacking. Then what is he talking about? Of which I become a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. That is the gospel, to to make this thing that Jesus was doing known to everybody. The mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of his mystery. What is the mystery which is Christ in you, the hope of glory? Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. And and so what we start to see Paul doing is saying this Work that Jesus did, Jesus who is the Christ, the manifestation of all that God wanted to accomplish, the the tabernacle of God with us, what he's doing, I am now doing, and I am fulfilling what he lacked. What did he lack? He didn't lack in his ability. He didn't lack in the fact that he was less than. It's just that work is continuing, and now Paul is continuing the work just as Jesus did. You see, there is an identification that we are supposed to have with Jesus, who is the Christ, and it is the Christ at work within each of us. Now, you can't separate Jesus from this part's Jesus, this part's Christ. It's who he is. But it gives us the ability to understand that Christ in us looks like Christ in Jesus. It shows up in how we live, in the things that we do, and it is filling what was lacking. How was it lacking? Because it continues, and Jesus was crucified. But it was good, he said, that I go, because I will pray, my Father will give another, and he will do the works, greater works than I did. And that is the Spirit of Christ in you, the hope of glory, as we mature in Christ. You know, This past week, everyone with the winds, I mean, we had a little damage at our house, not much. We had a a table that had an umbrella in it. And before the wind got crazy, the umbrella was still up, but the wind started and took that umbrella and smashed that table and it was gone. Had a couple of top parts of our fence were gone. But during the middle of the night when the storm was really going crazy and the wind was blowing up, we looked outside and there was a trampoline in the middle of the street. 
It came from like two houses down. I don't know how it got there. It jumped the fence, and then it took a joyride down for a couple of blocks. It was like later found down the road, right? It's like this craziness that was happening. And, and I can try to explain to you, you know, the wind, man, it just shook the house and the noise and hearing these things and, and the trampoline, all the things that it was doing. And I can explain it to you, but it's not the same as experiencing it. When I say the wind shook the house, you don't feel the vibration that it had on the house where you actually do feel the vibration of the wind as the whole house is rumbling for that. You don't actually hear the vibration of the house as these things are taking place. You don't actually see the trampoline that is flying like a kite down the street. Experiencing those things is a lot different than explaining those things. And what Jesus Christ is, is the experience of God that we are to live into not the explanation of what God is, who God is, how God does things. No, it is the experience of God that now is showing up in our lives today, just like it did in Paul's life, just like it did through the person of Christ. Jesus was not born to show us how to be more spiritual. He was born to show us how to be human. And if we think that all we're supposed to do is have this understanding of Jesus, trust in it so we can go to heaven. We are missing the whole purpose of Christ in you, the hope of glory. The son of God is the life we follow and live into. In Mark's gospel, chapter three, As Jesus is preaching, his mother and his brothers came to him in verse 31. And standing outside, they sent to him and called him. And a crowd was sitting around him. And they said to him, your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. And he answered them, who are my mother and my brothers? And looking about at those who sat around him, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. Brother? Sister, mother, family. He, he is saying that if we do what he did, the will of God, then we are family. That we bear his name, his image. That, that's huge. Family names were Everything. We are the children of Abraham. We are sons, daughters of God because we are brothers, sisters, mothers with Jesus. Again, it's something that we can now experience, touch, feel, handle, that affects us and how we live. John writes again in 1 John 4, Verse 16, so we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in the world. God the Son is Jesus, the Christ And Jesus the Christ is our Lord, teacher, 
and brother. And as he is, so are we in this world. You see, the Son of God is not just the second person of the Trinity who has these attributes. The Son of God is our brother, is our Lord, is our example, is the one we can touch, handle, see, experience through how we now live following in his ways, doing the will of God. We cannot truly know ourselves without knowing the one who made us. Jesus is the example of who you and I are supposed to be. We can't really appreciate ourselves, accept ourselves until we understand that we are accepted. We know that we are accepted because we are in Christ. And he is our Lord and he is all and in all. And so the Son of God is encompassing us and moving us in his image to do his work, to carry on the kingdom that he revealed. And it's meant to shake us and to transform us as he transformed the world around him. And when we fail to understand the connection that we have to Christ through Jesus, we fail to understand the work that God was wanting to do through him. And we distance it. And what God is doing through Christ is bridging the gap And what we tend to do is want to open the gap up because we want to show respect. We want to say, oh God, Jesus is so much more. Of course he is. But his purpose wasn't to say, I'm here, you're here. His purpose was to say, I'm here, you can be too. And that is the purpose of the son of God is to bridge the gap between who God is and who we are because it is seen most clearly through who Jesus Christ is. Let's pray. Father, I pray that we would be intrigued by the understanding and mystery of Jesus and drawn into a deeper conversation with you by your spirit. Lord, I pray that we would recognize how close you have brought us to yourself, that we can continue and fulfill what is lacking by picking up our crosses and following in your example by our suffering, by our long-suffering. God, may our hearts contemplate these things and allow them to filter through us and draw us nearer to you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.
may you continue to follow Jesus and may Christ in you be the hope of glory to this world as you follow in his steps and bear his name. God bless you guys. Um, I'd like to have some time of question and response. You guys here, if you have questions, I threw a lot of things out here. I, I have questions, so maybe you guys do too. Uh, anyway, but we're going to conclude this for the recording when it goes up live. But thank you guys for being here. If you need to go, of course, go. Uh, God bless you guys. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.